0: Hello and welcome to the Women's Football Podcast. I'm Andrew Rayburn. Thanks a lot for choosing us. This is our look at the beautiful game from the Champions League to the National League and beyond. Uh, Joining me this week on the pod is uh, former Aston Villa and FA Media Officer and regular on the pod, Emily Lyles. Emily, uh, hello to you.
1: Hello, Andrew. Thanks for having me.
0: Always a pleasure. Uh, And the Women's Football Correspondent for the Daily Mail, it's Catherine Batt. Catherine, how are you?
2: Hi, Angie. Yes, very well. Thank you. Hope
0: you're well too. Excellent. Yeah, not too bad. Thanks for asking. Uh, so, first of all, let's uh, rewind to all the action from uh, since our last podcast. A busy midweek, both domestically uh, and in the Champions League. Uh, last Tuesday night, saw the first two Champions League quarterfinals, uh, the El Clasico in Madrid, which caused a lot of intrigue in the build-up. Um, Madrid took the lead in the Estadio Alfredo de Stefano, thanks to Olga Carmona. Uh, who recently signed a new contract with the club. Real have never beaten Barca, but it looked like this might be the night. Uh, But eventually, World Player of the Year, yes, her, Alexia Pateas, got the equaliser from the penalty spot after Carmona turned from hero to villain, uh, fouling Caroline graham Hansen. Claudia Pina then swept in with eight minutes left before Pateas clipped in a third in the final few seconds. Uh, The other quarterfinal uh, saw Paris Saint-Germain come out on top with a win in Germany against Bayern. Marie Antoinette Cototo bagged the doubles, but the French side in the hot seat. However, Clara Brühl gave them a lifeline as she pulled one back from a free kick in the closing stages. Um, So, first of all, Catherine, uh, what do we make of all that Champions League action? First of all, last Tuesday, Barcelona, hot favourites, but uh, uh, that goal for for Bayern has made it quite interesting, hasn't it? Yeah,
2: I I think my biggest takeaway from the Champions League was that uh, after sort of wanting var in the group stages and i just don't want var anymore because some of the decisions that uh we had especially that um barcelona penalty that i mean just wasn't a penalty at all um really kind of quite frustrating and you see when the referees go over to the monitor you know they they're, they're going to change their mind and probably go with you know what they've been advised and uh, so that that was a little bit disappointing but um yeah some great games obviously Few late goals in there, obviously mentioned for Bayern, late goal for Arsenal, which keeps them very much in their tie against Wolfsburg as well. So, um, you yeah, know, big, big week of football coming up. There's a lot of games uh, and ties that are very much still in the balance. So uh, it be interesting to see how they play out this, this coming week.
0: Yes, um Paris Saint-Germain with, uh, with home advantage. Uh, you'd still perhaps leave fancy to go through. One of those ties, of course, that is in the balance is uh, Arsenal against Wolfsburg Wednesday evening. Uh, at the Emirates, uh, despite Arsenal dominating possession, it was Wolfsburg who created the better chances in the first half as they hit the post before uh, Tab- uh, Tabia Vasmuth put the uh, visitors ahead. Wolfsburg hit the post again. Arsenal had chances, including a goal, goal ruled out for offside uh, for Stina Blackstenius, before L- Lotte Wubamoy popped up with a late equaliser. Emily, uh, Janis Iderval says he is 100% confident, to use his words, that they can uh, get through. Um, are you as confident as he is?
1: I think there's certainly plenty of positives to take from it. I think you only have to look at, say, what Wolfsburg did to Chelsea back in December, which I appreciate a few months is a long time in football, but, you know, particularly, you know, that game where they beat them 4-0, completely dominant. Um it, Arsenal's resort looks very very impressive and I think you know on the flip side of that yes they've got to go away this was obviously the home game where they might have not wanted to concede and you know go, going over there with a win but actually with it being finally poised there's no resting on the laurels is that Arsenal know they need to go there and do a job and yeah in some respects you know I don't want to say the shackles are off because when you get to this stage of any major tournament it, it, it's anything but that isn't it the pressure's on but yeah I think they've got every reason to go over there and be really really confident um they're in it aren't they both you know from from a scoreline point of view and probably more importantly how well they performed in the game with the ball and and you know probably quite rightly got something out of that first leg
0: yeah and it effectively at this stage with the scoreline uh in, in that situation it becomes a you know one of those Old fashioned one, one legged, you know, not a knockout, straight knockout ties, doesn't it? Now, um, in the other ties, substitute Agnesa Bonfantini completed a stunning comeback as Juventus beat Leon in the first leg of their debut Champions League quarterfinal. Uh, seven time winners, Leon were cruising until they reduced to 10 when Australian Ellie Carpenter brought down uh, Lisa Boatin as the last defender. Uh, Christian Girelli, Cristiana Girelli equalised after Sarah Brady's mistake, before Bonfantini silver victory minutes after coming on, Leon had led through Katerina uh, Macario. Um, Bit of a surprise this one, uh, Emily, but obviously still a lot to play for. Leon will be at home, so all the usual uh, usual caveats of a two-legged tie there, I suppose.
1: Yeah, 100%, but, you know, isn't it nice that we're not just talking about Leon dictating every game, dominating every game, racking up big score lines. And the fact that there is something, well, there's a lot on this game, isn't there? You have to think that they can still do that job at home. You're quite right. You only have to look at the record, the experience. But it is nice that you do look at all these ties and think, I don't know, you'd probably say Barcelona are looking pretty good um, in terms of their first leg result. But actually the rest of them are really, really difficult to call. And you know, that's something that we wouldn't be wouldn't have been saying a few years
0: ago. And, and Catherine, Leon will be boosted by the fact that perhaps Juve didn't really create anything until the sending off, they could argue. So, you know, as much as uh, Juve are kind of in it, um, you know, Leon will still be, you know, fairly relaxed about it.
2: They are. And I think it's very difficult to stop Leon scoring goals as good as, you know, Juventus are at um, defending. We saw them come to Chelsea and sort of sit sit back for quite a while to get a nil-nil draw. Um I think Chelsea missed quite a few chances in that game. And with Leon's quality, you know, they might miss a few, but eventually they will probably put one in the back of the net. And then, you know, you Ju- they have to go up the other end and, and get a goal themselves. So it will be tricky. But look, I think Joe Montemarri done a fantastic job there in, in the time that he's had. And if he could get a surprise victory, it'd be, you know, it'd be, it'd be brilliant for him. And, um, you know, huge for Italian football as well, because um, I think that's a league that is, sort of just on the cusp of, you know, getting a little bit stronger. And um, UV have done a great job in the Champions League this year. So it'd be nice to see them cause an upset, but it's going to be very difficult for them.
0: And Catherine, just very quickly, as Emily's touched upon there, um, how important is it that we do see, you know, more than just the usual suspects, um, you know, in, in, in the quarterfinal stages?
2: Well, definitely, because it keeps it keeps the interest high. You know, if people don't know which team is, is going to get through every year, people are more likely to watch and, and be excited by it. And you kind of want that that feeling of unknown, like the Men's Champions League, where, you know, you've got these great clubs and, you know, you're not certain going into kickoff who's going to win. And um, I think it's been great this year. I think it's been a lot more competitive than last year. Um, you know, whether the return of crowds has played any kind of you know it had any impact on that I don't know but it definitely feels a lot more open obviously clubs have got stronger and strengthened their teams and um, no one probably expected Chelsea to go out in the group stage as well so we've, we've already had a few surprises and as I say hopefully a few more um, in the next couple of couple of months.
0: I think you find that don't you with uh, any sort of uh, knockout competition that comes after a group stage you almost need one or two of those giants to go out in the group stage you know to make made life difficult for themselves and that allows a path through for uh for some newer teams to get some fresh blood in there um so just continuing to concentrate on last week's uh, midweek action domestically chelsea spurs of course called off due to covid cases in the spurs camp that's still afflicting them uh, in the other game manchester city comfortably beat everton to maintain their top four hopes. We'll obviously come on to the action from Sunday in a moment, but uh, City led um, when uh, Everton's uh, Simone McGill turned Caroline Weir's corner into her own net. Ellen White doubled the lead after good uh, play uh, down the flank by Lucy Bronze. City added two late goals. Uh, Alex Greenwood scored from Lauren ball, and Laura Coombs drove in from uh, Khadija Shaw's pass. It was uh, City's second 4-0 win against Everton in the space of four days, having also beaten them uh, by that scoreline in the uh, Women's FA Cup. Uh, and they have won every time they have ever met Uh, perhaps not all that surprising I guess Everton must be sick of the sight of Gareth Taylor's side now Emily
1: 100% and and look I know we've spoken about this before Andrew but it's it's just such a strange situation isn't it because you look at the players they've got I know there's obviously permutations and, and mitigating factors throughout the season and you know I think as we alluded to there with some of the postponements life isn't normal even though society does feel a lot more normal football and sport is still affected by Covid in terms of you know the regular testing and if someone does test positive and is unwell it obviously has a massive knock-on effect in that kind of environment Um, But yeah, I think there was so much excitement around Everton at the start of the season and almost expectation. And I'm not saying that necessarily came from them, but I think people that follow the game saw the players that they'd recruited and and saw the squad that they'd put together and were really, really excited. And yeah, I think in some respects, you know, they'll be glad to see the back of this season and, and, you know, use the summer to regroup and see what they can do. Because, yeah, by their standards, and I think, for a club of that kind of pedigree, it's been really, really disappointing.
0: Yeah, certainly been a a strange old one uh, uh, for them. So let's uh, move on to this weekend's action now. We'll discuss the Championship in the National League in a moment. But first, only four games in the WSL, the North London derby between Arsenal and Tottenham and Man City's game with Birmingham postponed due to COVID cases at Spurs and Blues. Um, With Arsenal not in action, Chelsea took full advantage Uh, boy, did they, uh, by smashing Leicester 9-0 to go top of the table for the first time this season. I believe that's also the joint highest uh, away win in in WSL history. Uh, The game was over as a contest, really, after just 11 minutes with the Blues 4-0 up. Uh, Guru Wright and Sam Kerr, Beth England and Anik Newven on target. England, Wrighton and Kerr both got another goal apiece or Lauren James and Jesse Fleming came off the bench to score late on. Uh, Chelsea now a point ahead of Arsenal. And, crucially, a superior goal difference now. Um, both teams, of course, having played the same number of games. Uh, Leicester remained second bottom, eight points above Birmingham in uh, the battle against the drop, uh, whether the battle's still ongoing. Well, that's down to Birmingham, probably. But uh, uh, the one thing, Catherine, that Arsenal were clinging on to in this uh, title race was their superior goal difference over Chelsea. Now that's been wiped out, they're, um, they're just trying to cling on to their coattails now, aren't they?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I saw the goals go in one, one by one after um, such a short time yesterday for Chelsea. It, it, it was quite brutal to watch. Um, of course, Arsenal play I think Leicester next weekend, so um, maybe they'll be hoping they can uh, kind of match match Chelsea's score there and um, you know get get a few goals back. But um, they'll have, yeah, they'll have been very disappointed to see to see that scoreline. I think when you come up against Chelsea and in full flow, sometimes there's just no stopping them. We've we've seen them do it to teams in the past. And and yesterday they were just on a different level to Leicester. And I think um it yeah as I said before it was quite brutal um brutal for Leicester. Um, I think they'll probably have questions as to you know why they couldn't couldn't stop the um the flow of goals. I know they did briefly for a period in the second half, but it was six and at half time and then they still went on and conceded three more in the second half and I think They'll have to look at, you know, what they can do better to maybe, you know, when the game is gone like that, when you're 4-0 down early on, how you can kind of close it off and try and, you know, not concede as many. And, you know, obviously they weren't far off from going into double figures as well, but um, it's a shame for them because they had been doing, you know, doing a little bit better after after a tricky start. But, uh, yeah, for Arsenal, they will have uh, had been a frustrating weekend with their game being called off. And, of course, then, yeah, seeing Chelsea go and do that at Leicester.
0: Emily, uh, Lydia Bedford suggested afterwards that, you know, that Leicester might have played, been a bit too open. Um, I mean, I know it's easy to say all these things after the event. Um, but, you know, is it just a case of, there, are, there is, as we know, there are leagues within leagues within the WSL and Chelsea are always going to be favourites to beat Leicester. But that scoreline, does that suggest that Leicester were a little bit naive?
1: Yeah, possibly. I think so. And it, it is hard. And, you know, I guess in contrast to the Champions League conversation that we've just had, this is the complete opposite, isn't it? These are the kind of scorelines you certainly don't want to see. And I remember I, I didn't sort of catch the game properly, but I caught the halftime score and I looked and you just kind of think, oh, don't you? And it's it it's hard. Um, I think for teams, it's hard to know how to tackle those games, isn't it? Because you can sit back, but... Teams that sit back off and also can be can be beaten really comprehensively as well. So you know, part of me admires that that mentality of having a bit of a go. But yeah, at the same time, you could argue it, it is extremely naive because you, you know, like, as you've seen, you can come come on the back of really really big score lines.
0: Yeah, and you don't want to be four 0 down after eleven minutes. That uh, for any team is game gone. When you look at the running for both sides, it's quite interesting actually. I think Emma Hayes alluded to this on on the women's football show. Um, you know, and it might argue that you know any manager is going to play things down, and Emma Hayes is good at keeping a lid on things. Um, as anyway, but if you were to take the current uh, league positions of their opponents, um, and sort of add them up, and assume that you know the lowest of those totals is the harder run in, Chelsea's is that a little bit harder? Um, and they've got to play Spurs twice. Now, Catherine. It's going to be an odd situation for Arsenal fans, isn't it? An odd sensation for them. Uh, cheering on uh, cheering on Tottenham twice.
2: Yeah, Tot- Tottenham are going to have a big say in this title race because they've still got to play Arsenal, got to play Chelsea twice. Um, I think Arsenal, will just as you say, in the women's game, we're still building that rivalry a little bit. So maybe it won't feel too weird sort of sitting at home and hoping Tottenham can even just take a point off Chelsea or something like that. Um, we did see them take a point off Arsenal earlier in the season. So they are, you know, they are capable of doing it. And yeah, I do think Chelsea is running is slightly harder, especially just because they've got to play Man United on the last day of the season, who probably are going to need something on the last day if they want to, you know, make Champions League. So that could be, um, you know, that could be a big impact um, in the title race as well. But yeah, as I say, Tottenham are going to have a, a, a big say on it, and I, I don't think they like either Arsenal or Chelsea. So um, not sure <laughs> kind of what what, what what they prefer really. Probably Chelsea slightly.
0: And Emily, um, speak not necessarily speaking with a, a former Aston Villa hat on, but it could be interesting, couldn't it? That the one contribution, the big contribution that Birmingham City might have made to this uh, WSL season is by effectively deciding the title race, having beaten Arsenal.
1: Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Really, when you look at that, um, football's a strange old game. I mean, you look at the table and you'd never, you know, you'd never think that, would you? But yeah, I think you look at it and. It, Again, you want to see competition, don't you? And 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 I think the WSL is one of those leagues where there are leagues within leagues and there's clearly a big divide there. But if you look at the title race, if you look at sort of Arsenal and Chelsea's position, there isn't, you know, you look at their performances, you look at the kind of when you break it down into their results, there's not much in it at all, is there? It's not as if. You know, one's won a number of games and drawn to, you know, one's drawn too many or something like that. So I think, I think it's exciting. And, you know, we are getting to that stage now where teams are going to have a massive say in that. Um, and yeah, we're just in for an absolutely thrilling finale. And yeah, I can't wait.
0: Uh, and of course, one thing that won't also be, even if Birmingham go down uh, without a whimper, uh, it will be, uh... The Champions League spots that will be also going to the wire. Manchester United enhanced their chances of a Champions League place with a 3-1 win over Everton on Sunday in front of 20,241 fans at Old Trafford. Second time, of course, United have played at Old Trafford. First time in front of their supporters um didn't start well for them Claire Emsley giving Everton an early lead cracking finish from the Scotland winger uh but United hit back and how fitting it was that their goal-scoring heroes at Old Trafford were lifelong United fans Alessio Russo's header pulling a side level before Katie Zellum's second half penalty um put United in front Martha Thomas had a goal let's say incorrectly let's put it out there ruled out for an offside that wasn't um, but another Russo header made it three one anyway. Catherine, you were there for the mail. Um, talk about the the sort of experience and the occasion, and also a vital win for United.
2: Yeah, it was it was a brilliant day, I have to say. Manchester United did a fantastic job of um, promoting the game um, and really making Old Trafford feel like feel like home for the players. You know, Mark Skinner was talking about. The dressing room was completely transformed and had pictures of the players, you know, motivational quotes. But they they kept the theatre of dreams in the tunnel because, you know, that was the one thing they wanted to remain. Outside the ground, there was, you know, pictures of the players everywhere, and it, and it did really feel like, you know, the club made a bit, a big effort to try and get as many people there as possible. Um, and and the atmosphere in the stadium was was great as well. And I say twenty thousand people there, it did feel like there was more with the noise that the fans made. Um they were booing after four minutes when they went behind, but um fa- you know thankfully for them they they did come back and I think um they responded very well to going behind and um it was only a matter of time once they got on the front foot that they would they would go on and and score and and, and go on to win the game um but you know, I did see some positives for everton um I, I do think they performed better than they have done you know when when they lost heavily to man City twice and Chelsea, I think there was at least little bits of Positives that you know Chris Roberts and his team can kind of take for the rest of the season, despite obviously the fact that they they lost three one and as, as you said should really have lost four one because um, Lucy Graham was definitely playing everyone on the side when Martha Thomas put the ball in the net. Obviously it was Boris Dottia that was wrongly flagged flagged offside, but um, yeah, I think uh, a great day for everyone. And as you say, most important thing for United really, as well as the occasion, was the fact that they they got the three points and um, you know to keep the keep their place in third
0: and and make Man City uh, have work to do. Yeah, we were almost dragging up the VAR conversation again there with the uh, the offside. But uh, um, I, mean, I mean, Emily, um, Catherine mentioned there that Everton started the game pretty well. Claire Emsley opened the scoring. She's a bit of an under the, under the radar player, isn't she?
1: She is actually and and perhaps you know as you say perhaps a little bit of that is because she is playing for Everton who haven't probably delivered as as they'd like to this season but you know in a more broader sense as as you guys both alluded to brilliantly there I mean what a fantastic occasion I think Alessia Russo scoring twice you could see the pure emotion couldn't you you know I I think it's not remiss or unfair to say that she maybe thought that that would never happen in her career when she was growing up she probably she didn't see that did she certainly someone of her age wouldn't have seen players playing at those stadiums with this visibility that the game has now so yeah I think just all in all it was the perfect occasion I think in the past United have obviously been criticized for not having a women's team a women's program they obviously have developed that a quite a quick rate over recent years and, and invested in that and I think in some respects what they're doing things at the right time I think you know they play their home games or the majority of their home games at a venue that's suitable for them in terms of size crowd sizes that kind of thing and obviously they have these marquee games such as the game on Sunday where they're attracting a great crowd. It's a brilliant occasion. And I think, yeah, it just, there was a real sort of feel good atmosphere. I thought around, around the whole, the whole occasion.
0: Absolutely. And uh, as you say, uh, great for, for, for us. So and Katie used to be one of the Champions League centre circle banner wavers at Old Trafford when she was a kid. And now she's uh, converted a penalty in front of the Stretford end. It's uh, a dream in terms of our respective clubs that uh, very few of us get to live out. So uh Good for her. Um, It's still tight for that third place, as I say. Man United, uh, three points clear of Man City. Who have a game in hand. Spurs, seven points further back with two games in hand. Uh, As I say, relegation seems to be decided, but it's great that we've got these storylines at the top end of the table still to unfold. Uh, Everton sit ninth, by the way, now with a virtually identical record to Aston Villa, who got a one-all draw with Reading on Saturday. Uh, Justine Van Havermatt put the Royals ahead from the spot with 20 minutes to play. But Villa soon levelled, thanks to Ramona Petzlberger. Uh, Villa are behind Everton in the table, only on goals scored. Emily, first point that Villa have secured at home since September. Uh, Same old story, really. We've discussed this a lot. A lack of goals, meaning that they struggle to turn zero points into one and then one into three.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, they'll be glad to stop that rot, won't they? It's, you know, to be honest, Andrew, I didn't realise it was a run of 10 home defeats. That's quite remarkable, really, isn't it? And it'll be interesting just to know kind of general stats on that and when that that last happened, you know, in what league, in what element of the sport. But, yeah, look, they'll be pleased, won't they, to have got that point against a Reading side that are a very strong side, have got some really, really good results throughout the season. Um. And yeah, I mean, look, again, Villa, one of those sides, I'm sure, will be pleased to get to the end of the season. We'll want to finish strongly, I think, because I don't think you can underestimate how important it is to take some form into the next season, because you often see that, don't you, a team that doesn't finish strongly, even if... They're not relegated or there's not really any permutations for them being on a bad run. They often start the next season poorly as well. So hopefully from from Villa's point of view, at least, that they can pick up, they can build on that point and And, you know, again, go into the summer and, and next season in a much stronger position.
0: Yeah, I remember uh, there was a, a manager of a, a men's county league team who had a similar thing of could get points on the road and couldn't get uh, anything at home. And he told, once told me in an interview, he said, I'm tempted just to drive them for home games, drive them round in a minibus for an hour to pretend that they're uh, they're going away. So uh, maybe you get a result, a tune out of them that way. So uh, I don't know if that ever worked, but uh, it was a nice idea. Um, Villa's opponents, Reading at eighth now, level on points with West Ham, who lost 2-0 at home to Brighton on Sunday. Aileen Whelan with a side-footed finish in the opening couple of minutes. Really casual finish as well. Inessa Cagman wrapping it up late on. Catherine, Chelsea are the only other team so far to have managed to win at West Ham this season. Uh, so that's quite a re- result for Brighton. And I think, in fact, only the current top four in the table have a better form guide in the last six matches than the Seagulls. So hope Powell doing a good job there.
2: Yeah, I think Brighton just continue to be the team every season that from sort of one week to the next, you can't really predict. Um, I think at the start of the season, everyone was kind of expecting them to do quite well. And, they, you know, they lived up to that expectation. They were in around third place. And then they just kind of went on a really poor run sort of around Christmas to January time and sort of fell out of that, you know, that running really. And I don't know whether that maybe took the pressure off them a little bit and, that expectation fell and maybe they could play with a bit more freedom because yes you say last few weeks they've been been really strong and they're sort of you know coming up again and it's a bit too late for, obviously for them to make you know a, a, a European challenge but um they can certainly finish the season strongly and um finish a bit higher up the table than perhaps you know we were, we were looking at you know a, a month or so ago but um they, they, they've got some good players there Brighton as I say start of the season they were really strong hard to beat they've always been hard to beat under Hope Powell maybe didn't always score enough goals but you know they've they've added that in the last few weeks as well and um, they're a team that I think next season will probably assess this year and as you say start a good start bit of a disappointing middle and then if they can have a strong finish they'll they'll you know next season they can hopefully be a bit more consistent and kind of keep that that challenge for you know the Fourth, third spot, kind of going a little bit longer than they've they've managed
0: this year. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what their sort of natural ceiling is, really. Uh, next weekend's fixtures are spread out over Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It all starts with Birmingham against Everton on Friday night. Blues can't be officially relegated yet, but you do feel they need to win every game now to have a shot. This might represent one of their better chances. Uh, West Ham host Man City on Saturday. A win for Gareth Taylor's side will crank up the pressure on United and Spurs. Four games on Sunday. Man United play Brighton at 12. Leicester host Arsenal at 12.30. It's Spurs versus Villa at two and leaders Chelsea facing Reading later in the evening. Um, All, of course... uh, COVID permitting, hopefully. Uh, Now, um, Catherine, we don't foresee Chelsea or Arsenal slipping up there next weekend, do we? Well, based
2: on current form, you'd have to say no. Um, But I didn't foresee Chelsea slipping up against Reading uh, just before Christmas either. So um, again, teams in the WSL can surprise you. And every now and again, you get a shock result. Um, It's hard to kind of see that happening, given the form of Chelsea and the form of Arsenal. But never say never, I'm sure as you know Emma Hayes will be uh, not taking Reading lightly after that that 1-0 defeat back in December so um, yeah I'd, I'd, I'd put my money on Chelsea but Um, You know, never say never.
0: Continuing our roundup of yesterday's games, moving on to the Championship, Liverpool just one more result away from clinching promotion back to the WSL after they beat third place Durham 3-0 and challengers Bristol City lost at Sheffield United. Rachel Furness scored twice and Katie Stengel was also on target for the Reds as they stretched their unbeaten league run to 18 matches. They would no doubt have been inspired by Bristol City's defeat 24 hours earlier when Ellie Wilson got the winner for Sheffield United. It means Liverpool can wrap up the title rather cruelly in Bristol City's backyard the two teams meet next Sunday the Robins simply have to win of course even if they do Liverpool need only to win one of their last two games to secure promotion Um, Emily talked before about Liverpool when they were struggling in the WSL and you know how can the men's team be winning the Premier League title and the women's team be struggling so much will this Liverpool team be a good addition back to the WSL is it about time we had that Liverpool brand you know in the WSL again
1: yeah. And I was just thinking, actually, as you were talking then, Andrew, if you think of them at the start of the season, they struggled, didn't they? They struggled for goals. They struggled to, to really get going. But I think it just shows sometimes you know, you just need to give it a little bit of time. Um, in answer to your question about will the or will, the you know, if everything goes to plan, will the Super League uh, be better with Liverpool? Yeah, I think so. I think you know whether this is right or whether it's wrong having the name liverpool football club in the top division is important when you look at the other company in there you know you've got the big names or certainly the traditional big names um both the traditional women's names but also the men's team names in there as well and obviously you've got derby merseyside derby will come back and yeah i think it's huge really and you know i know there was a lot of talk in the of the investment and kind of the commitment the club had put in. But, you know, you would like to think that if they do get promoted back to where they feel they belong, that some of that, that might come. Whether that's immediately, I don't know. But over time, you hope that they can continue to develop and and re-establish themselves as one of the country's top teams.
0: Now, here's a question for you uh, both and out there as well. Over the last four games, only two sides in the Championship have remained unbeaten. Leaders Liverpool are one. Who's the other?
2: It's not Coventry United, is it?
0: It is indeed Coventry United. So uh, uh, the top side and the bottom side are the informed teams at the moment in the championship. Uh, They beat Blackburn uh, 1-0 on Sunday, Katie Morris getting the only goal. Watford's defeat at Sunderland has actually given Coventry a shot at safety. They are six points behind Watford now with a game in hand. Catherine, if Coventry avoid the drop after that close shave with liquidation and the subsequent 10-point deduction, that's going to be the story of the season, isn't it?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think most most people, most followers of the women's game probably written written them off when they got that deduction because it just looked so kind of difficult to get you know to get to a place where they could you know even maybe stay up. But um, the fact that they've given themselves a chance, you have to really commend the players, the manager, and and everyone involved at the club. And obviously, they play Watford last day of the season, so all they need to do is just kind of. I think they've got a game in hand on Watford. So if they if they win that game in hand, they'll be three points behind um, with a superior goal difference. And even if they're three points behind going into the last day, they beat Watford. They can stay up. So they just need to give themselves a chance going into that last match. And as you say, you know, even if they don't do it, obviously, I, I think it's just a, a brilliant uh, that they've put themselves in contention to do so. Um, the fact that they weren't even going to be a club, you know, for they were about less than 24 hours from from no longer existing and. You have to sort of really praise the players because they were left jobless at Christmas and, you know, they've they've gathered themselves to to really give themselves a chance. And yeah, it'd be fantastic if they did it. I know obviously Watford won't, won't want them to, but um, it really would be a, a brilliant story if they managed to stay up.
0: And Emily, you've been involved in clubs and dealt with players on a regular basis and things, you know, the players at Coventry United that have gone through so much. Uh, stress and anguish so so, to see them getting results at the back end of the season it's it's so you know must be so heartwarming.
1: Yeah it is and I think wouldn't it be the ultimate story if they were able to survive Andrew because I think like looking at it you're right they've been through so much there's a lot of there are a lot of extremely talented players there see I can't speak personally I don't know the situation or I don't know the details of the situation but I'd assume that you know, when it looked like they wouldn't have a club anymore, they obviously would have been potentially moving on or not playing again. So the fact that they're still in with a shout of, of survival is phenomenal. Um, but by the same token, I think you have to think that if they were to get relegated, that unfortunately, as we know, that that can have really, really big consequences in terms of their development, etc. cetera. But yeah, I mean, the fact that they're still in with a shout, they're in good form, aren't they? That was a tremendous result against Blackburn and yeah, I know you shouldn't have favourites and we're not here to be particularly biased, but it would be some story, wouldn't it? <laughs>
0: That's absolutely right. I'm sure it won't uh, won't necessarily go down very well uh, with uh, those of a what for persuasion, but uh, no, Emily, you're uh, spot on there. Elsewhere in the Championship, Crystal Palace won 1-0 at Charlton thanks to a cracking strike uh, from Coral Jade Haynes. Check that out on socials if you get a chance. really is a good finish. Uh, London City Lionesses against Lewis also postponed due to uh, due to COVID cases. Uh, so get well soon to all of those uh, from the WSL and the Championship affected. A uh, quick glance over the National League now. Not a lot of change, to be honest. Wolves remained six points clear and with two games in hand at the top of the Northern Premier Division after a 5-0 win at Sheffield. Derby beat rivals Nottingham Forest 1-0 to stay second. Fylde remain third after a 1-0 win at Struggling Hull. Huddersfield beat West Brom 3-0. Burnley defeated Stoke 3-1, while Loughborough moved out of the relegation zone and dropped Middlesbrough into it by beating them 3-1. In the south, leaders Ipswich beat Plymouth 2-0. The Tractor girls now seven points clear at the top, but Southampton, who moved into second after beating Gillingham 2-0, have three games in hand, so there's plenty of potential for an exciting title race. I can't count Oxford out either. They didn't play this weekend, uh, dropped to third after Saints win, but they are seven points behind Ipswich with a game in hand. So... uh, Possible uh, possibilities there for them, maybe. Uh, Portsmouth won 3-2 at Canesham, who remain embedded in the drop zone, as do MK Dons, but they gave themselves hope with a win at fellow strugglers Chichester and Celsey. But uh, as regular pod listeners uh, will uh, will know all about Hounslow, and I have more Hounslow news. And after so many consecutive defeats and only the COVID-shortened seasons delaying the inevitable, their relegation finally confirmed mathematically on Sunday loss, 5-0 to Cardiff, who not only condemned Hounslow, but pulled themselves away from trouble. Uh, that's National League. One other result to mention from uh, from Sunday, England under-17s beat Poland 1-0 in European Championship qualifier, uh, having lost to France last week. They now face Croatia on Wednesday. It was Leicester's Ava Baker who got the winner in that. Now, Catherine, I know after you finished up recording with us, you're, you're heading off to the, the launch of the ticket sales for this summer's Euros. Um, one of the big criticisms coming out of the Arnold Clark Cup and from the She Believes as well, was, you know, empty stadiums and the host nation isn't playing. Um, can you foresee this being a problem in the Euros? If so, what could be done about it? I mean, I know that the final is already sold out, isn't it?
2: It is, yes. Yeah. So hopefully England are in the final um, because I'm sure a lot of people have bought tickets with, you know, with the hope that England are going to be there. And if England aren't there, hopefully they still turn up to, to watch whoever is playing it's, it's, it's a difficulty that, that we're going to have, um, and I think hopefully we've got you know quite a few months now to, to prepare for that. And I think they just have to try and sell it on. Obviously, you know the, the brilliant players that are going to be able to watch that, that don't play for England. Um, you know, link it to the clubs that we have in the WSL. You've got Holland. You've got the likes of Medema who play for Arsenal. Um, you know, you've got Peniel Harder in, in the competition. You've got Magdalena Eriksson. You've got these players that people are familiar with who play for WSL clubs, you know, coming to compete with other countries. And I think that's the best way of selling it. And hopefully just, you know, the fact that there's not another football tournament going on, people are going to want to go and watch these new teams. It's it's accessible. It's not very expensive. Hopefully it'll be nice weather. Um, And I know a lot of the England games are already selling out. The Northern Ireland game sold out at St Mary's. I think the opening game at Old Trafford sold out. So once these England games are sold out, hopefully people will pick up the tickets for, for the other matches that are going on as well. Um, but yeah, as I say, it's, it is a difficulty we saw it in the Arnold Cup that, you know, but I think that the issue with that was probably the timings of the games. They were on during the day, sometimes when kids were at school or when people were at work. Hopefully the Euros will maybe fit around people's schedules a little bit better, especially obviously kids won't be at school. So hopefully that'll help as well.
0: And Emily will start to see, I think, as the tournament gathers, uh, nears and gathers pace and the sun comes out and you know the the domestic season is out of the way. Um, you know, the national fervor will take over, not just with England fans, but with fans of all the other countries who, you know, taking part who live over here as well.
1: Yeah, hundred percent And I think look, I know obviously that there's a, there was a lot of disappointment um throughout the kind of first couple of years of the pandemic in terms of postponements and cancellations, etc. But I think if anything, you know, it's come at a good time. I think certainly things are in a better place, which should help that sort of festival, carnival atmosphere. And I think the beauty of the women's game in this country now, as you say, Andrew, is, yeah, people know players on the international stage. People will be excited about seeing other teams, other nations, WSL players that that obviously represent other nations as well. And and just generally, you know, the Champions League has enhanced a lot of the profile of, of these players too. And I think it's just, you know, it's got... It's got the potential to be the most exciting tournament ever, I think. And, you know, I think if you look at the infrastructure, the stadia that are hosting and different areas, different regions, it's just super, super exciting. And I just hope, you know, everyone gets behind it as, you know, if you look at some of the the figures and the stories coming out of sort of ticket interest today, it's really, really positive, which is great.
0: yeah that's it for today thank you Emily and thank you as well to Catherine uh, and thank you to all of you for listening don't forget to uh, follow us on Twitter we're at TWFP1 that's TWFP1 so follow us on Twitter and on the old gram as well the women's football podcast the women's football podcast give us a like on there we'll see you all soon here on the women's football podcast bye for now